Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Chris Ranji on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Oh, well, hello, friends. How are you? Worried sick about you. I missed you, and it's good to be with you for tonight until 9 o'clock. And, hey, let's have a Friday together, right? You know that this is my time. I love Friday night. I love the evenings. And so I'm going to be up for another 12 hours, and I'm going to spend the first two of those with you. The phone number to visit with me tonight, 312-644-6767. We are going to talk to Evan Altman about the Cubs. He is coming up at 720. Uh, We're going to talk some NFL. We will talk some Bears. And there's huge news in college football, more realignment. What even are conferences anymore? Why do they even have them? Um, anyway, the Big Ten is getting two teams. Oregon and Washington are moving over. It is official. They are going to be members of the Big Ten. We will talk about that. Um, uh, potentially, uh, we, we are efforting some things right now. I wanted to get some Pac-12 perspective, some West Coast perspective on this. We might be doing that. We might be staying local. Who the hell knows? Uh, either way, we are going to talk about that tonight until 9 o'clock. Again, the number 312-644-67. That's if you want to call or if you want to text us. You know what I want to do right now? You see, there's this guy I know, and he's supposed to be off work. He's supposed to be beginning his Friday night right now. And I said, oh, hell no. I'm not letting you do that, Mark Grody. (laughs) You get to hang out with me for just a little bit longer, and you collect no overtime. What's up, my friend? I'm actually happy about this because I got like a, a... piece of paper in front of me here with all these bears notes on them that i did not get to i have two pieces of audio oh. that i didn't get to that i really wanted to play for the audience so i don't know man if, if you're cool with it maybe i oh, can oh, oh yeah release yeah, some of that stuff you know release it we should yeah, release no, we're, it we're, we're totally gonna do that now um people are very look- happy chris chris i'm just gonna interrupt you about no no People are very happy, Chris, that you're right. on, that, that and that you and I are together. Just oh, I'm just, yeah. just looking through the text line <laughs> when I mentioned you got Ranji and Grody grabbing my popcorn. Best idea next to Saturday suckage. Uh, hell yeah, Ranger tonight. Then then he asked me a Bears question. There's a of course there's a standard. Hi, Chris. Right oh, at the oh. beginning, there's a double trouble. Right, the Ranger. Great to hear you. You make people happy, and Chicago misses you this weekend, especially Ranj, because. 
You got the Cubs playing a hot series against Atlanta at Wrigley Field. The Bears are practicing at Soldier Field on Sunday. And Lala freaking naked Palooza is going on all weekend, too. Oh, my God. Did you see the story of uh, – I forgot who talked to him, and I wish I could give them credit, but one of the reporters in town went down to Michigan Avenue to one of the uh, – street performer. Uh, he's one of the street performers down there, and you know they rely on tips. People sure. drop a dollar or whatever. And he was talking about how this is not really a great weekend. He says it's not a bad weekend. It's just not a great weekend because people aren't carrying money with them because they're not wearing anything. That's <laughs> <laughs> so true, man. It's like, so at, funny. Like, I live downtown. I know you did too. And it's funny to follow the flow. Like I was walking from my place downtown, and so there's like a, a pretty decent flow of people heading towards where I'm heading to Prudential Towers, and we're not that far away from Grant Park. And as you move, Chris, it just gets more and more naked as you move <laughs> along. Now, I haven't been into Lollapalooza this year, but last year I did go, and it's just unbelievable what is shown by men and oh, women yeah. at Lollapalooza. It's really a treat, Chris, to be honest with you. Oh, it's, it's totally a treat, and it also kind of makes me jealous because in my high... See, you and I were in the uh, huge flannel shirt phase yes. of high school. Yes. Because it was all grunge. It was yeah. Nirvana and totally. Pearl Jam and hey, all that hey, stuff. Men and women, by the way. You know, it's like so... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we're in a yeah. form-fitting world right now with men yeah. and women, but back then, men and women, we, we were the worst. That was a horrible, oh, yeah. horrible era for style, like, with the, like you said, with the flannels and the baggy shorts, and now... Everything's tightened up. We get uh, yoga pants and the whole thing now. So this is really this is this era of style should not be taken for granted. I, I don't understand how there's any pollution out there because they're not really making all that much clothes. That, that, that's right? a great, that's a great point. Although know? I guess all the old stuff's getting thrown away, so maybe yeah. that's the problem. It, it's hey, only jarring when you see the youngins doing it. But go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. I want I want to get to your bears yes, stuff. Yes. Uh, the stuff that you did not get to right. tonight, and sure. people are you know, hungry for bears. Um, but I want to. I want to bring back a story because it's been a couple of weeks, maybe a month or so since I've been on with you. And this could be a, a bit of a different audience. I would like to remind people what you did to me at the beginning of the baseball season. Oh, we got to do this again. Can we? Yeah. I mean, that's fine. I thought yeah. we got through this though, but okay. Well, I, I mean, I deserve it, but no, 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 so, no, no. Yeah. I, I'm over it. Okay. You were over but, it like five minutes, and yeah. but, but I wasn't because I wanted to well, give I'll, you a chance. I'll, just, I'll give you the Cliff's Notes okay. uh, version. Yeah. Uh, Grody was texting the scores text line <laughs> at 312-644-6767 while I was hosting. Was it hit and run? Yeah, or it was hit and the, run. It was hit and run. It was the very beginning of the and baseball it, season. It was the, first, it was the first weekend of the season, and I was talking about the pitch clock and – Grody yeah. was pretending to be a meatball. Actually, he wasn't pretending. <laughs> I was he was being, being a, a real Chicago meatball, <laughs> no, no texting doubt. in, yelling at me, talk some baseball. I'm sick of this. Because <laughs> you were talking about the new rules. <laughs> yeah. And I was like hot for, Give, tell me what happened in the game. All right, that's it. It's friggin' Ranji. I'm not putting up with this. Maybe a Spiegel I put up with it, but not Ranji. I'm getting my phone out. Let's go. By the way, I wasn't even out of bed when I did that. And what's so funny about it is that I just had this hunch. 
I, I saw the phone number and I was like, this has to be somebody I know because nobody's this big of a butthole. And so I, I checked in. I was like, that's Grody. Are you kidding me? This guy. Anyway, um, so it, it, we're, we're full on into training camp. And I know you were talking about Yannick Ngakwe yeah. today. Mm-hmm. Um, newcomer for the Bears and not really exactly sure what to expect. But he's he's had many homes and he's here in a new one. I, I don't see how this can hurt them. I mean, it's he's. I, I think there's been some improvement there, but clearly he's he's getting up there in age. But this can't. It, it to me, Grody, and I'd like to know how you feel about this. To me, it's either it's either going to be a something or a nothing. It can't really hurt them though. No, and it's to me, it's it's pretty obvious that if he the guy stays healthy, you're going to get out of him what teams have gotten out of him every single year, and yeah. that's a guy that has averaged. And there's no like lopsided number to to change the mean of the average in any way, shape, or form. This is a guy that for his entire career since 2016 has averaged a legitimate nine plus sacks in right. his entire in his career. So if he stays healthy, it's a pretty strong bet. A pretty strong bet that this guy is going to help your team. He's not a dynamic, big time difference maker like when they brought in Khalil Mack. But this is a competent pass rusher and a guy that will get to the quarterback. So I, it, it seems like the the right fit. And as I said too, Chris, like at the beginning of of the show, right at the top of the hour at six o'clock, this tells me that the Bears are interested in winning this year because as good as the defenses look throughout this training camp. They could not go into the season and take themselves seriously if they didn't have somebody who we knew could get to the quarterback. Now, I, I want to get to um, some of the stuff that you have that we that you did not get a chance to get to during your show. But I uh, obviously we don't get to watch training camp. Yeah, uh, yeah. you get to go. Um, you know, you've seen what's been happening out there. From what I can gather so far, vibes are, and this is all you really have to go on. Vibes are pretty good. Overall, yes, I'd say pretty good overall. Yes. Yeah. Now that now two days ago, the Bears had their oh their, bad offensive day. Yeah, yeah. yeah you heard about all that. <laughs> yeah, now yeah, that yeah, that yeah. was a little bit unnerving to watch. Cause, so it's the it's the first day where they really I mean the full pads, longest practice, and went almost an extra forty five minutes during the practice, and the the coaches just kind of let them loose. And the, the offense was low volume, low energy, except for Chase Claypool. And the big problem with that is not just singling out one practice and overreacting to it. The fact of the matter is, Chris, one of the big problems for the Bears offense last year was incredibly slow starts. So to have seen that and the lack of juice as we throw around was really disheartening from a Bears perspective just because we saw that story so many times last year. So that was the only one area where it's like okay that's a problem but you you're seeing like the the new guys that have come in you know this year full year full training camp with Chase Claypool what DJ Moore has done has been excellent offensively the cohesiveness of the offensive line until very recently when everybody starts getting injured and Nate Davis all of a sudden isn't showing up that was good early on to see Justin Fields honestly Chris he's been up and down for sure during this camp. Like I haven't seen a, a huge difference in this camp relative to last year's camp, except for the weapons that he is working with. So you definitely want to see more of that. But the defenses look very good. So yeah, the the vibes have been decent. Let's put it that way. Yeah, can we chalk this up to any, um, you know, set? I don't know if you want to call them setbacks, but a step back if he has a couple of good practices and then there's that one that just looks rough. Right. 
can you just chalk that up? And I'm I'm trying to I guess I'm looking at this from an optimistic viewpoint. Can't it just be, hey, you know, we're we're all trying to kind of figure each other out here? Mm-hmm. Because to me, the fact he's working well with Claypool mm-hmm. is a is a huge step forward because just think about the way and you know you're you're doing Bears shows you're talking to Bears fans most people have really been down on him so to to see them working well together that I mean that's got to be really good yeah no that is a really good and maybe maybe one of the most important connections that exists in this entire camp considering the Bears gave up a second round pick to get Chase Claypool considering the fact that he had a bad uh 10 games with or whatever it was last year with the Bears it just nothing looked right uh you know we saw Chase Claypool was emotional at times last year so that hookup is incredibly important the other thing too to keep in mind if we're looking at it through the optimistic lens as you said is that obviously the the Bears' offense is not game planning right now for the Bears' defense, and that gives the defense the ability to play a lot more loose and free and all of that kind of stuff. So there is like an, an advantage that goes to the defense, I think, automatically in most training camps. I think that – I guess that with Justin Fields heading into his third year and having gotten the new weapons and some of the guys that, that we've been talking about – you just wanted to see, and maybe I'm just as impatient and uh, as you'd call me, Chris, a meatball, just as impatient and meatball as everybody else. Like, you just want to see it, man. Yeah, you want lights, camera, action. Like, since Justin Fields got here, that's what we've been wanting to see. Even his rookie year, and lat, you just want to see this, Justin, because you know the talent is there. You just want to see, like, the competence and the confidence and the play after play after play being good. You want to see the lights, camera, action from Justin Fields, and that just hasn't arrived yet. And maybe maybe it's unrealistic to say that it should be there. As as you know, I work with Gabe Ramirez a lot here in the nights, and he always saying, "Hey, just give me incremental progress. Just be a little bit better." I guess unfortunately, I'm still looking for the big splash, which just hasn't come yet. Well, it's totally fair for you, any of us uh, who are Bears fans, to do that. And the reason is you're not just waiting on a couple of years. You're waiting on – this is 30-plus years. This is, for a lot of people, entire lifetimes. They're waiting on a quarterback that's actually legitimate. That's what this is. And and so if I don't know how many people are out there in Bears land that are preaching patience – but I fully understand being a meatball about Justin Fields yeah. right now. Well, I totally get it. People are just so, and understandably too, Chris, like desperate for yeah. quarterback it's play. It's been decades. Decades. It's been, yeah, I, so I, I get that. I totally get it. And and it's funny coming from a guy who, when he used to do post-game shows, would say, just be patient. Hi, Chris. I, so you know what? Sometimes, Mark... I look back on my socks time, yeah. and I think, oh, I hate myself. Yeah. Well, I hate myself for telling people to be patient. Don't be patient. <laughs> yeah. Screw it. It's well, sports. I say Get greed mad. is good. Greed is good in sports. You hey, know? what have you got for us? What, what kind of yeah. nuggets do you have? Oh, for yeah. Me? I'll give you nuggets, and I'll give you some sound here, too. So these Love are the it. things I'll just, un- like the stuff I didn't get to on Trading Cab Live over the last hour or so, um, things in no particular order. That I keep mentioning guys that were not out there today. 
Uh, Jack Sanborn did not practice today. Demarcus Walker, the the other starting defensive end for the Bears, will now start opposite of Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds didn't practice, nor did Jack Sanborn. They were all present. That That is notable and important to point out. The the thing about Edmonds is, is something happened to him the other day because we were supposed to get a full like 10 minutes or so with Tremaine Edmonds, but we were only allotted five minutes because he had to get treatment. So that's a little bit of a, of a concern. You mentioned like what's been going on in practice. Like, here's some of the things that I jotted down practice highlights today in full team drills and in uh, eleven on eleven. Justin Fields at one point flung a ball to your guy Robert Tunyon, the ex Green Bay Packers tight end. It goes off of Tunyon's fingertips, and that's been happening a little bit too much lately with Robert Tunyon. Goes off his fingertips and into the hands of Chase Claypool for a touchdown. And Chase Claypool and the offense were just very, very proud of themselves at that point. A few other quick hits. Jaquan Brisker had a sack of Justin Fields today. Brisker continues to look great in camp. Kendall Vildor. Kendall Vildor makes an appearance. He deflects a Kendall ball. Kendall Vildor. Yes. He, he, the guy who I thought maybe was going to be a starter on the outside, and he also, like Travis Gibson, just kind of went a little decrescendo for him. But he deflected a ball at the last second from Justin Fields intended for Valus Jones Jr. in one-on-one drills. Equinemius St. Brown had the juice today. Good practice. He spiked the football at one point in time. It seemed like the Bears' offense was making a point to have a little bit more emotion out there today. And then back to Chase Clay. Claypool, again, look good overall. And I, I really like watching Chase Claypool when they do the one-on-one battles because he's a big guy, and then you get to see him use that size and strength. And I hope that eventually, Chris, we get to see him doing that on the field in real games. And then I just wanted to point out, too, that Ryan Poles, the general manager of the Bears, will speak to us tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. What time? Give me um, an exact time. About yeah, Chris. Uh, let's go. Uh-huh. It's, look, we're looking at uh, twelve, twelve, twelve-ish. Yeah, noon. Okay. Noon is when everybody speaks. I don't know if he will be up first tomorrow, but to his credit, Ryan Poles. That's one thing. He's been very present when we have requested his presence. And you know, this is a good. Good. He gets to take a bow tomorrow because everybody was on him, including me, to bring in a, a person who could sack the quarterback, and that's what he did with Yannick Ngakwe. <laughs> Before you get to the sound uh, that yeah, you have sure. for tonight, what it's so far, and, and this is very, very early, I would say, uh, but in this regime, how has it been different covering this than the previous? Uh, I think that the practices, like uh, I'll just talk about training camp, the practices are noticeably faster. And that's not necessarily a shot at Matt Nagy. It's just a different style. So you're talking about... The practices are run a little bit more tightly. And again, there's no evidence so far to suggest that that means that they're better because the Bears lost 10 in a row last season. So there, there is definitely that. I think one of the biggest differences, too, with this regime is the actual delegation of power to the coaches, especially on offense. And we all know that Matt Nagy just ran that offense, and you know he had his – he had his uh, his offensive coordinators and his quarterbacks coaches, and remember, it took him forever to finally give up the play calling. And he had you know DeFilippo and Laser and all those guys. So it's good to see a you know that Matt Eberflus, while he does pop into the meetings and does go between the offense and the defense. As a matter of fact, he's 
He's bobbing in on the offense a little bit more this year than he did last year. Matt Eberflus is very good at handing things over to his coaches and not trying to get over the top involved. And that includes defense. Like He is given a lot of autonomy to Allen Williams. Allen Williams calls the plays on defense. It would have been tempting, I think, for Matt Eberflus, having been a defensive coordinator, having been a linebacker's coach, to want to call the plays. And I bet some Bears fans probably wanted him to call the plays last year, considering how bad the defense was. But I think Eberflus is good at just being the general of the team, which was just a huge issue with Matt. Matt Nagy. Yeah, but are they nice to you? Yeah, you know what? The Nagy was like the nicest guy in the world. The Flus, the Flus, really nice guy How's too. The, the Flus is the nice guy, yeah. He, Flus is a nice guy, and I'll tell you what. Like He loves that hillbilly music too, I've heard. Oh, really? I, I don't yeah, the, the country. He loves the oh, country. Oh, yes, he does. He does love yeah. the country. Yeah. Redneck. I should have said redneck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's that's more appropriate. That's yeah. the appropriate way to say it. The uh, the other one was just out of control. You're going to get canceled for that. Redneck though. <laughs> That's okay to Rednecks. say. Yeah. Hey, man. Rednecks. Hey, I, I will not get canceled because I, my family, my bloodline is all hillbillies. That's right. You live in St. Louis. Oh God. <laughs> they, they they live in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. That's where that's where my people are from. Hey, I know you were doing socks pre and post when uh, Ryan Terrio went to the the Cardinals. <laughs> But did he ever do anything with the car? Remember, he goes there and he says, I'm finally on the right side of the rivalry. We were just we were talking about that earlier, and I said I would ask you about it. He was he never made it. Did he do anything with the car? Did he ever even have like a good run with the Cardinals? I don't remember. Uh, so you I don't, don't either. If he was, yeah, I don't think he was particularly great. He right. was only there for one season, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Right, it yeah. was like this big deal because he was such like a popular yeah. little guy around here, like the riot. Yeah. Him and uh, Fontenot. Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah, Terrio uh, and 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 Fontenot. the Cajun guys. Yeah, the Cajun, that's right. The or is Cajun. it Creole? I always get it mixed up. Cajun, Cre- no, hillbilly is what it is actually. No, they're, they're not. They're, hillbilly. Oh, they're not hillbillies. Okay. No, they're like they're like from Louisiana. Oh, New Orleans, oh, you know, rednecks, from down rednecks, there. That, gotcha. that part. Yeah, rednecks. yeah, yeah. yeah hey, uh, Leo is yelling at me because we're taking too long. Oh, okay. So. So this sound that you have—it's just a couple of cuts more from Eddie Jackson. You could actually, if you don't want, can I if, can can I do it? Yeah, can you want to just later? do it later? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do whatever. Yeah. If, if we're done, we're done. No, it's I'll okay. do it live. We'll do it I'll live. I'll do it live. All right, fine. <laughs> Bill O'Reilly, that's your guy. You were telling oh. me about that before. You're like, Rhodes, don't tell anybody. But Bill O'Reilly's my guy. Yeah, it's my guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking, everybody. I'm joking. I don't want. I don't want the good vibes to to oh, leave you. Boy. Yeah, Leo Stoddard is giving me crap now too. Yeah, so, sorry. Chris, sorry. do whatever you want to do. Play him. Don't play him. I don't care anymore. I, I really. I just. I just don't. Sit I him just, or bench him. Yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> See you, Chris. <laughs> See you, buddy. That's Bye. Mark Grody uh, with us here on 670 The Score Chicago. We're going to talk to Evan Altman about the Cubs when we come back right here on The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And you can hear some of the Braves fans who have made the trip to Chicago. The 3-2 to half. Pulled on the ground to first. This is going to do it. Olsen runs to the bag and the Braves win game one. The final, Atlanta eight and the Cubs nothing. It's Chris Ranji on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Filling in tonight, good to have you with me. An eight to nothing final for the Braves. A win over the Cubs this afternoon at Wrigley Field. We'll be with you tonight until nine o'clock and we go to our Guest line tonight uh, on the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, is Evan Altman, who covers the Cubs, editor in chief at Real Cub Insider, and is uh, with us now on the score. What is happening uh, tonight, Evan? Uh, you know, I uh, I finished watching the game and I decided I need a, a palate cleanser, so uh, I'm watching <laughs> Kickboxer right now. Kickboxer, um, you know, because. It, yeah, because uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. And, yes. Yeah, of course. You know, he, he's treating uh, the rest of his opponents like the Braves treated Kyle Hendricks this afternoon. So hey. it's really not much of a difference. Kyle looked pretty good through the first order, first time through the order. So, there, there, I mean, there's that. Well, it, I mean, outside of the fourth inning, and I, I know like, right when a team scores seven runs on you and, and they hit you all over the place, it's, it's kind of difficult to look at the silver lining, but – uh, but I mean, he did he did look sharp, and I think part of it, though, up until that that point. But then it was just one of those things where there there are times when if you make repeated mistakes, uh, this is a lineup that I, I think it kind of goes a little underrated when we you know talk historically. But you're talking about a team right now that's on pace to set a home run record, right? They're blowing everybody out uh, just in terms of the offensive stats. I mean, it's just not a team that you can do anything with once they smelled blood in the water, it was over. So uh, I think, like he said, you kind of tip your cap to them and you, and you move on. Uh, but, you know, again, outside of the one inning, uh, they, the, the Cubs at least held them to one run otherwise. So I, I guess, you know, you, you look at things, you take, the, you take the wins where you can get them. Uh, Evan Altman is joining us here on The Score, CubsInsider.com. You can read the coverage there. And, you know, just just looking at the Cubs, and and right now I am working for the Cardinals flagship station, and it's a little bit of a different situation for the uh, the Cardinals this year. I, I know um, that makes everybody else in the division happy. Certainly, Cubs fans are are happy to to see that happening. And and I'm looking at where the Cubs are now, and where they were at the start of the season, and and I thought going in. And I, I, but I guess I said this last year too, uh, Evan. I said, don't sleep on the Cubs. I think they're going to be a little bit better than you think. And they kind of started off that way. And it happened again this year, but the, then they trailed off. But now they've come back. And, and this team really is in striking distance. You're two and a half games out of a wild card or that top wild card spot, three games out um, of the division. Do you see from in your opinion a real avenue and we're, we're we're taking into account how things might go here the next couple months is there a real avenue for this team to win the division yeah i think absolutely and, and as we're speaking right now i mean pittsburgh's uh beating milwaukee 
Uh, I believe uh, well, Milwaukee won the the first one. I think maybe uh, or maybe maybe I'm off a day here, but uh, you know the the Brewers. Yeah, Pittsburgh's beating Milwaukee in the in the in the late game here. Um, still early, but you know we saw what just happened with the Reds, and and you look at that rotation that they've got right, and the, and the Cubs didn't necessarily have to go up against their best, but it, it just the, the Reds looked a little, for lack of a better term, they looked kind of fraudulent as a first place team. That's just not they, they didn't come across that way. Uh, the Brewers aren't necessarily scary, right? I know they've got better pitching, but their offense isn't there. If the Cubs continue to play. Certainly, we're not talking about winning eight out of ten games uh, each ten ten game stretch over the next fifty games or so. But they don't have to, you know, light the world on fire in order to make this uh, this this time up or these games up. And they've got uh, several more against Milwaukee yet. So, yeah, I think there's a very realistic avenue to it, especially if the offense continues. You know, the one thing that that they weren't even when they were scoring a lot of runs earlier in the season. It wasn't necessarily with homers. And then we saw them really driving the ball out of the yard against the Reds. And, and you start sitting there thinking, if Cody Bellinger is playing like he has been, right, he redeems that MVP form, you have that guy who can lead you and carry the team on his back, even if the rest of the team is not really hitting. So I think they have an absolutely great shot at, sure. uh, at winning the division. But uh, a lot of it depends on what happens with Marcus Stroman once he comes back. Does he pitch like the first half, Marcus Stroman, or, or like he has been lately? Right, and 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 on the surface, the question I ask is stupid. I mean, it's a dumb question. They're three games out. Of course, they have an opportunity with a couple of months left to play. The reason I ask it though is I I do recall probably I don't know. I guess it was ten years ago. I don't have the the exact year in mind, but there was a time very late in the season. In fact, I think it was two weeks left in the season, and the White Sox are they were either a game up or a game back or whatever it was. They were right there. And everybody I talked to that had anything to do with the White Sox was just like, no, doesn't matter. I don't care where they are right now. They are not winning this division, which is such a weird thing to say. But, you know, I just I know how it can be in Chicago. You know, it just sometimes there's look, we we know where we are right now. We know that the number looks right but we just don't think we have the team to see it all the way through to the end. Yeah. And I, I think there's that might, I think had the Cubs and, and even though it wasn't an aggressive buy, right. They really only made the one, although we've seen Jose Quas in there a couple times now, but you know, the move for Jamer Candelario to bring him back to the organization yeah. uh, that, that spoke volumes. The fact that they were willing and, and to do so, you know, parting with a couple of guys who, who had a little bit of height down in the system, in DJ Hers and Kevin Mate, right? That was a that was a big move on Hoyer's part, and and I think the you know the other thing about that is that there were reportedly eight or nine teams in the bidding for Candelario. So for Hoyer to not only go get him, but to to beat out some other teams in doing so, um, you know, and and to do that at a spot where you've got Nick Madrigal playing a lot of third base, you've got Patrick Wisdom playing third base. Candelario's played first. That's where Wisdom has been now lately as well. It's saying, hey, not only are we going to go for this, but in doing so, a couple of you are going to have to check your egos and and understand that we're doing this for the team. And so I think that, you know, versus had they stood pat or even moved a couple of guys like a Stroman or a Bellinger, uh, it, it signals that they're very much internally, they very much believe they can do this. 
And I'm not talking about the actual players. Of course, they should do that. But from the front office and up, uh, they, they really want to and think they can. So uh, that, that again, speaks volumes after a couple of years of, of selling off and uh, what, what looked prior to their run like might be another sell-off this year. So um, a lot of confidence there. Well, yeah, and, and the Cubs have been really good over the last decade of, about the last decade, of recognizing where they were, recognizing a teardown and a rebuild needed to happen, and knowing when it was appropriate to to move forward and push ahead and, and you know, feeling like they had the team to do it, and now it was a matter of, of actually supplementing the team. I, I found it, I guess, somewhat fascinating from afar watching what was going on and watching what they did prior to the trade deadline with the idea that, yes, next year is is going to be a bigger year for them, but what the hell, let's let's try it now. I, th- I found that to be really fascinating to see them go that direction. Yeah, and I, I think what, you know, certainly the, the trades they had made previously, and there, there were a couple, right, where they got some guys who were relatively close, right? I mean, we've seen Hayden Wisniewski, at uh, at the major league level, and they they picked him up in the in the Scott Efros deal, but you know by and large a lot of those look at the U Darvish deal, right? Everybody they got in that were, were teenagers, and so now you're talking about uh, you know one of them's no longer even in the system. Owen Casey's the biggest get from that; he's a double A. Um, you know you're talking about taking years for any of that to come to fruition, and I think that's where if you start you know people say oh you got to sell, you got to build for the future, but listen if you're the Cubs and you've kind of sold three years in a row, you you can't afford to do that and, and then, you know, pick up a bunch of guys who might impact your team, maybe, if everything goes well in three years at the earliest. That's not going to do it. Like you, 2024, regardless of what they do this year, next year has to be a season in which they are legitimately going after it to really compete in a big way. And you can't do that just based on prospects. They're going to have to hit it hard in free agency, um, and, and so I think this signals, again, like we saw in 2014, really toward the end of when they knew they had some guys coming up, but 2015 really proved it. But you've got to kind of show some of those free agents out there. If you're, if you're looking to land legitimate stars, you've got to show them you've got a chance to win. They don't want to come to a team that's still rebuilding for a while, like the Mets. Um, so, yeah, I think this says a lot about what they uh, plan to do next year. When you talk about those legitimate uh, potential signings or, or uh, trades during, uh, you know, I guess an off season. Are you talking about Shohei Otani? I know that report was out there a few days ago. I believe it was Bruce who who had the report initially that the Cubs were going to be a serious player for him. Do you believe that to be true? I mean, I want to, right? It's like uh, the X Files. I want to believe. Um, <laughs> And uh, just because, and, and I think where people get mixed up on this, you know, they if they're skeptical of how much money the Cubs will spend or that, that sort of thing, you know, oh, they'll never get the money to land him. I understand that, but but I also look at it, say, you know, this is this is someone who left Japan earlier than he could. He could have waited for a year and then had a, a monster contract under the posting system and everything. He came early. Um, and was subject to, to much stricter limitations on his bonus. And so we've already seen the fact that this guy doesn't really concern himself with money. And the fact of the matter is he's going to be paid very, very handsomely, regardless of where he goes. I think he wants to, to be with a winner. And the Cubs 
were, you know, of the non-West Coast teams, at least reportedly when he first came over, were one of them that were were the closest, right? If he was going somewhere other than the West Coast, it might have been Chicago. And I think if there is someone, if if I have, if my attendance has been down for a few years and I know that I can fill those seats and I know that I can sell more jerseys and I know that I can sell more $20 a month subscriptions to the Marquee Sports Network app and I know that I can get all this extra, especially if those blackout rules change and I can get into different markets, um, that is the one player on the planet that any owner should be willing to shell out as much money as possible for because he alone is probably the person you can guarantee will be worth more than his contract in that additional revenue. So long way of saying yes. I think that I think they'll try. I don't know how realistic it'll end up being in the end, but I, it would be absolute malpractice to not make a big push for him. And I agree with you. I I think that people don't realize that even the, there's a lot of risk that goes into signing a player like that for the contract he's going to command. Everybody is worried about two things, obviously injury and secondly, underperformance. But I can't imagine no matter what happens, even if he gets hurt in year one, I cannot imagine that contract not paying off for any team that signs him. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, he's... He's the best hitter. I mean, I, I've said this before. He, he's the most talented baseball player, in my opinion, that's ever. Of our lifetimes, no question. Yeah, at least, right, that I've ever seen, certainly. Uh, he's doing things that are just completely unheard of. And, and I mean, if there is a reason, uh, and, and certainly I don't believe the Cubs would plan on this, right? But but look at, if you go back and you look at the, we talk about Cubs ticket prices all the time, and you, you look at where those prices have been historically, it's all tied back to when Sammy Sosa started hitting homers at a historic pace, yep. right? I mean, this is a this is an organization that knows what it's like to have a big ticket player who people will show up to the ballpark just to see, regardless of the team's performance. And so, if you want to guarantee yourself a really good baseline, that's the guy to do it. But I, I think that's also someone who, hey, they've got some young players coming up. They've got some guys in Dansby Swanson and Nico Horner who are signed, um, you know, younger guys signed through the future, not. Anthony Rendon and, and Albert Pujols and that sort of thing that the Angels are trying to build around Otani and Trout. So, um, you know, if you want to pitch a guy on that and you want to pitch fans on the future, that, that's absolutely the way to go. I just, it's again, it's just, it, it's so crazy that I, I can't believe that it'll actually happen for the Cubs. But boy, that would be, I mean, Wrigley's already a fun place most days anyway. I can't imagine the kind of circus it would be if he was pitching there regularly. They are going to be, in fact, I, I think both the Cubs and the Cardinals will be the two most, potentially two most intriguing teams uh, during the off season. Certainly from our perspectives, because they they battle each each other for uh, you know the central title. But I think they will be very. It'll be interesting to see what they do to fill the holes they have. And uh, they both are saying they're going to be busy during the off season. And we'll see how it goes. But if Otani ends up in the Central Division, oh my God, that's, I mean, that is, that would be a really exciting thing to have happen. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and look at, look at where the division is now, right? There's, there's not a whole lot of superstars um, outside of, yeah. outside of Cincinnati, obviously. Let's imagine that, right? Cincinnati with Ellie De La Cruz and then having Shohei Otani come in there and, and have those, I mean, it's, it would be kind of wild that having the NL Central be one of the most fun divisions in baseball would be a, a pretty cool thing to have happen again. 
That is Evan Altman. You can follow him on Twitter at DEvanAltman with Cubs Insider, the editor-in-chief, and you can read all the coverage there, CubsInsider.com. Evan, appreciate your time tonight. Go enjoy your weekend. I can't believe you took time out to come talk to me. Well, you know, there's nobody else I would have done it for, Chris. But uh, but when they said when they said I was going to be on with the Ranger, I, I said yes. You know what? Who? That's, that's uh, yeah. I can't I can't do anything other than that. So I'll, but I'll, I'll get back. I'll queue up Kickboxer. We'll move on. You have a great rest of the show. Why wouldn't we'll you watch? Hold on, hold on. Why wouldn't you watch Bloodsport? Uh, well, it was, it was, uh, you know, this one came up first. I was just scrolling through prime video and seeing what uh, came up for me. And this one was right there at the top of the queue. So I, I'm too lazy to, to keep pushing and, and having a search, you know, there you go. And when that's over, go watch double impact. Oh, well, no, universal soldier will be next. Oh my God. You know, I've never seen universal soldier. Oh, well, you, you, yeah. oh, come on now. <laughs> go, go watch that. Next time we talk, you can report back. You got it, man. Thank you, Evan. <laughs> All right, take care. <laughs> That's Evan Altman with us on the score. Hey, we want to hear from you, and I, I specifically want to hear from you. I'm going to keep this Cubs conversation going because I saw a tweet this morning, and it may have – got to go back and get it now, but um, uh, I'm totally prepared, can't you tell? Um, but there was a, a tweet that I saw this morning, and it got me to thinking how – people would react now i know what they would have said 15 years ago i know what they would have said 20 years ago but i want to know how cubs and Sox fans react to this sentiment and i will talk to you about that when we come back 312-644-6767 chris ranji tonight filling in on the score It's Chris Ranji on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. White Sox fans are very... Well, they don't really like to acknowledge the Cubs much, and if they do, it's it's with stank. You know, they've got a lot of disdain for the Cubs, and maybe that's cooled a little bit, but I doubt it has for most people. And every now and then, you would get a guy who was just so upset with the organization, and they would say something like that. And I always used to brush it off. And I would say, that's stupid. Come on, clearly you're not going to do that. You've been a fan your entire life. But, I, you know, as time goes on, I kind of... It sounds like a meatball kind of thing for a fan to say, but I also kind of get it. I kind of understand where you would be coming from with that sentiment. After having watched your team ask you to go through a rebuild with them. And Sox fans were more than happy to be patient and more than happy to do that. And I commended them for it. And I'll be honest, I think a lot of fan bases in baseball, baseball especially, are more inclined to be willing to watch their teams go through a small rebuild if it lasts, uh, you know, two, three years, 
as long as on the other end of that they come out as contenders because they've seen it work. They've seen the Cubs do it. They've seen the Astros do it. They've seen that it's a possible thing to happen, and they think, well, if my team tears down a little bit and drafts well and then acquires talent when it's time and pays for talent when it's time to do that and makes the right trades, then we can become a contender too. We've seen it work. And I think a lot of fans want that or would be okay with that. So since they are on board with it, they gave the Sox their time and they gave them their emotions and they said, we are going to sit through this with you and it looked like they were off to, and they were off to a terrific start in making that happen. But they really dropped the ball in such a big way. And I made this comparison once the trade started to happen uh, prior to the deadline, you know, trading of Lance Lynn and I and and trading of Joe Kelly. And I said, this feels a, the, the entire rebuild, feels a lot like a guy who's a receiver who's got the ball and he's 15 yards in front of the next defender and he's about to stroll into the end zone and inexplicably just drops the ball at the one-yard line because he thinks he's already scored. And that, to me, is what the Sox rebuild, the entire thing had has felt like, that they were so close to being so good and all they had to do was just try a little bit during an offseason. And not only do you have a good team, but you have a potentially great team that is a contender for years on end. I don't mean like 10 or 15, but at least a couple or three or fortunately five. And Sox fans sat sat with them. So really this question, and, and I've I know a lot of people right now are probably tuned into the Sox game now. So if you're a Sox fan, you're probably not listening now. But uh, Cubs fans, are you willing to accept a Sox fan who is, and I'm looking at the photo of this guy on Twitter who posted the story, and I don't want to add years to his life, but he appears to be at least in his 40s. So he has presumably for a long time been a White Sox fan and is saying, I want to be a Cubs fan now. Screw it. I'm doing it. And he also went on to respond to another person who and he told them, look, I told my kids growing up they'd sleep in the garage if they liked Cubs. Now, here's this guy saying, I'm going to be a Cubs fan. Would you accept a Sox fan who has decided to renounce his team? His lifelong team of 30 or 40 or maybe it's even 50 years. Who knows? If they just said, I am tired with the way they operate. I gave them my time. I gave them my money and my emotions. Is there room on your bus? Because I want to hang out with you. I am really curious to know if you would consider that to be phony or if you would welcome them. 312-644-6767. Let me know how you feel about that. Because I I I I would have told this person, I'm telling you, if I'm I'm doing post game shows uh what in twenty what is it, twenty twenty three? If I'm doing a post game show in twenty thirteen and I have a caller say that to me, I'm probably gonna tell the guy, That's dumb. You're not gonna do that. Stop it. 
You're going to keep being a Sox fan. I get it. You don't want to do that anyway. This has been your team your entire life. But at some point, being a sports fan should be transactional, should it not? Look, I'm paying you money. I'm buying tickets. I'm buying your jerseys. I'm buying your caps. I'm coming to your games. I am giving you my time. I'm watching you every night. I'm watching you all summer. I'm giving you all of my emotions. This is me paying you. Now, how are you going to pay me back? That's the transaction of being a sports fan. And I'll be honest with you. I think I understand that now better than I used to. But I'm telling you I understand it in a very big way. I get it. I totally get it. Here's a text message right now from a 630 who says the grass is greener on the north side. Come on over. Yeah, that's okay. That is okay with me. Look, look, man, at some point, you know, there is this there is this pride in being able to tell somebody, I've been a fan of this team through all the good times and all the bad times, and it's been 40 years, and I've never given up on them. I am a true diehard fan. But I am telling you now, and this is me speaking, that I understand the transactional or what I believe should be the transactional nature of sports more now than I used to. Yeah, it's great to be a diehard fan of a team for your entire life and to say you've never liked anybody else and you never will. But you know what? Your team has to really give back to you. And even if they fail in giving back to you, they have to show me that they are serious about trying. They have to do that for me. That's the transaction of being a fan. I don't owe you anything as a fan other than to give you my time and attention. And if you're not going to give anything back to me, I owe you nothing. I'm starting to see that a whole lot better than I used to. Cubs fans, would you welcome Sox fans if they decide, you know what? I'm joining y'all now. I'm getting rid of all my Sox jerseys and I'm I'm buying Cubby Blue. I'm going to go move to Wrigleyville. 312-644-6767. If you're on hold, I'll get to you. If you want to leave me a text message, you can do that as well. Chris Ranji with you, Hour 2, coming up on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 